Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Steve Hogg, and it's my joy to welcome you to this online service from First Baptist Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. We are so thankful that you are part of our the family today. You are in for a treat because some of you may remember that a few weeks ago, Brother Steve Parr was a special guest speaker at First Baptist, and he spoke in all three services, actually preached a different message in each service, and you got to hear one of those messages a few weeks ago. Today, you get to hear another one. And just by way of brief introduction, he is the co-author of the incredible research and research project and book, Why They Stay, which looked at young adults who had grown up in church, and then once they were young adults and had their own families, were still in church and identified common characteristics of their upbringing that contributed to their staying connected to Jesus, to the faith, and to church once they became adults. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to get a copy. You can buy it from just about any source, Why They Stay. But Brother Steve Parr preached three powerful messages that Sunday. And right now, after I pray, you get to hear his third and final message from that Sunday. You're going to be encouraged. So make sure you have your Bible, something to take some notes on. And then I encourage you as a family to discuss what he talks about when it's over. Father, thank you for this day, the opportunity to worship you and to hear your word. And I pray you take this message that Steve Parr preached and that people are going to hear right now. I pray you use it to change lives, to strengthen families, to make a difference in people's futures. Thank you, Father, for our families and for our kids. Use today for good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, I'm glad to be here, my third service, and unusually I've preached today three different messages instead of the same message over and over. And if you were here, what I've been talking about this morning is what it is that keeps kids and teens connected to church into their adult lives. And it comes out of some work that I've done, uh, not only with my own family, with some uh, struggles that I had, honestly, as a parent, but also in just seeing what's happening in the culture today. And so a friend of mine and I did some research uh, about young adults, and we looked at uh, not why are we losing young adults, but the ones that are there, what kept them there, thus the title, Why They Stay, instead of Why They Stray. And so in the first service this morning, I focused on the church and what the church does to help kids stay connected. The second service, I focused on parents and uh, just adults and grandparents in general and the home. But I'm gonna do something a little bit different. This service, uh, students, I wanna focus and speak to your heart this morning. And let me say the message for everybody, but uh, for our students, I'm so glad so many of you are here. This service is about three years in the making. I was invited a long time ago and we got detoured by the pandemic, as a lot of things did. But then I was called last year, said, can you come and spend a morning talking about uh, what you learned from why they stay? And I said, man, I'd be glad to. And this is a great Sunday, the Sunday prior to Mother's Day and prior to graduation uh, recognitions coming up. As a matter of fact, we recognized three young ladies who graduated from Winthrop this morning, uh, college students. And I will say congratulations to you college grads, you high school grads. And my, my theme of message right now is before you leave. Okay, before you leave home, because you're preparing to leave, whether you're graduating or if you're in the eighth grade, you're preparing to leave. It's just a matter of when. And I want to make sure when you do leave your home 
that you do leave in the right way and that you're prepared and that you're connected. And I think this text in Hebrews chapter 2 is where you'll turn. Hebrews chapter 2 will help you with that. Now, for you students, I, I know I don't look like it, but I cut my teeth my first years of ministry as a student pastor. I have a great heart for the next generation, always have. And I, I love students, love college students. And it's tough, I know, for you. And I'm not saying it wasn't tough for me, but I think it's harder to be a teenager for you than it was for me. And here's how I illustrate that. When, when I was growing up, for me, faith was like crossing a river that was knee deep. And, and the current did push against me as I made my way across the river in my journey of faith. And, and some of my peers didn't make it. They slipped and the current swept them down. But most of my friends, we seem to have made it across that river. You're crossing the same river right now that I crossed when I was a teenager. However, the river that I crossed that was knee deep, today the river is neck deep. It pushes so much harder against you than it did against me. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The, the World Wide Web, which is a great thing, the other side of it is you have access to so much information, it can be very confusing sometimes. And a whole lot more people have access to you than had access to me. And so teens many times tend to struggle more than I did. So I do believe it's tougher today for you uh, than it was for me. Now, that's not to say I had it easy. Although it's tougher for you in some ways, I, I do need to tell you this. My parents tried to kill me when I was growing up, just so you know, okay? Your parents are not trying to kill you. They're helicopter parents. They're making sure you're safe and sound. I, I'll give you several examples of that. The first would be the seatbelt. When you get in your car, the first thing you do is buckle your seatbelt. We never wore seatbelts when I was growing up. My mom would put me in the car and I'd play all over the car, the front and the back. We'd get in pickup trucks and be driving down the expressway. Didn't think anything about it. In the back of the pickup truck with a load of kids. And my mom, there was no car seat when I was a baby. My mama didn't put me in a car seat. You know where I was when I was a baby? My mama, I was in her arms in the front seat with the windows rolled up while she was smoking a cigarette because she was trying to kill me. <laughs> it's just a different day. Helmets, we never wore helmets. They wear helmets if we go for a walk almost. Skateboards and scooters and everything. My dad, when I was 12, pastor, bought me a motorcycle and didn't buy me a helmet. What's he trying to say? He's trying to kill me. Because you know who my big hero was in my day was Evil Knievel, who's jumping cars. And so here I am with this motorcycle and no helmet and just trying to survive. It is so different. Uh, now today, it's funny, parents are so protective. Now, now don't leave the yard. Don't leave the yard. My dad said, now don't you leave the county, son. You'll be back by Tuesday. You know, that's the way it was. And it was just a whole different day. So, so it, it is different in, in many ways, I understand for you. It's not that I had it easy, but I want us to look at this text here today. And I want us to see again, uh, some things that you need to know before you leave, uh, more than getting into the data that we did. I'll, I'll highlight some of it. And I hope some of you are staying for lunch. I'm going to hit all 15 points very quickly and do some Q&A time also. And if you weren't at our first two services, I would encourage you, Pastor, I believe they can go back and watch online and see all of the messages from this morning and get a lot of this information about what it is that keeps kids connected to church into their adult lives. Students, I will tell you, in church, you've got to be aware there's some critical transition points in your church and in your life. And it's, here are the points in our culture. It is going from grade five to grade six is a very important window. Going from grade eight to grade nine is a very important window. 
And going from high school senior to first year in college is a very important window. And churches would do well, as yours does, to put a lot of emphasis on those transitions right there. Those are the windows where we tend to lose a lot of young people uh, during those times. So let's read Hebrews chapter two, verse one, just one verse. I'm gonna ask if you're able, whether online or in here, if you're able, would you stand with me while we read this verse, okay? And ask God to speak to us. So stand if you would. Hebrews chapter two, verse one. Students, listen up. God's word says, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard or what we've learned so that, here's the key, we will not drift away. Let's pray. Father, a simple verse, but powerful. Speaking to our hearts as believers, even to unbelievers, and Father, this morning specifically to teenagers as they're getting ready to leave. Maybe this fall, maybe next fall, maybe four years from now. So God, speak to hearts of parents and teens as we think of this subject in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, students, when you study the scripture, you've probably learned this one little mechanism to help you understand the text a little bit better. And it goes like this. Whenever you see the word therefore, you ask what it is therefore. Therefore is always connecting you to some other thought. Now, Hebrews chapter one is a tremendous book letter, chapter about the deity of Christ, showing that Christ and God are one. Now, there's three great chapters in the scripture like that. John chapter one, remember, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you got John chapter one, you've got Colossians chapter one, and you've got Hebrews chapter one. And so he says here, therefore, what we should do is pay more attention to the things we've heard or will drift away. Well, what are the things he's talking about? Well, the, the book of Hebrews was written to the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation. And, and the Hebrew people had great history and, and great foundation. And so what you'll find throughout Hebrews, especially beginning in chapter one, are these thoughts of better than or greater than or more excellent than, these type things. And he's saying Jesus is better than. Now, let me give you an example. Let's suppose you went to the beach and you were going swimming and you're out swimming and it gets over your head, which is no problem because you can swim. But all of a sudden, you're unexpectedly overtaken by an undertow, which begins to sweep you out deeper. And as a matter of fact, you're getting tireder than you realize and you're beginning to struggle and you're beginning to go under. And so what you need is a lifeguard. So you begin to shout for help. And thankfully, here comes someone. As a matter of fact, he's in a boat and the boat is making its way quickly to where you are. And you've gone under two or three times, but you're thankful because the lifeguard is coming to rescue you. And so you come up and you expect at any moment he's gonna jump in or he's gonna throw you a life preserver. But as you come up and you look at him expectantly, all of a sudden he reaches down into the boat and pulls up and holds up a picture. And while you're drowning, he says, this is a lifeguard. This is a picture of the best lifeguard we've ever had on our beach. He has saved many lives. Now, students, I don't know about you, but if I'm drowning, I do not want a picture of a lifeguard. I want a lifeguard. Can I get an amen? Well, what's that got to do with the text? The writer's saying, listen, David was great, but David was just a picture of Jesus. Don't be so focused on David that you lose who Jesus is. The temple that was built was 
awesome, magnificent. But take your eyes off the temple and put it on the temple of God. Jesus is the temple. You talk about Moses, you talk about all these great things. These people were so focused on their history and their traditions that they were being sidetracked and detoured and distracted from knowing the person of Jesus, who's the son of God who can impact their lives. And so that's what this text is about because of who Jesus is. You better pay very close attention. And if you don't, it says, you will begin to drift. So if you're taking notes, I'm gonna make three simple points and they apply to all of us. But students, I want you especially to think of these. And number one would be this, students. Realize your tendency to drift. You've got a tendency to drift. Now, don't be offended by that. So does your mom and dad. And so does your pastor. If we don't pay attention, we will begin to drift. In other words, our relationship with Christ will begin slowly to deteriorate. Now, here's something, for example, we discovered in the research for why they stay. We found the most critical window in the life development of a child who grows up in church. Now, listen, it's the most critical six-month window was the six months following high school graduation. I'm not saying first grade is unimportant. I'm not saying seventh grade is unimportant. But we found the most critical window was the six months following high school graduation. Here's another way to look at it. We found that if a student graduated high school, if they were still in church at Thanksgiving, they were still in church at age 35. It was that big of a difference. And we found that if by Thanksgiving they had, I'm not saying Thanksgiving weekend they were at church. I'm saying as of Thanksgiving, they had never dropped out of church. They continued to stay with church. And in my case, I know when I went to college, I got lazy for three or four or five weeks. Honestly did, but God convicted me of that. And I got connected very quickly. And so I was right back in there. But for you who are graduating, coming up in just about maybe two weeks or so, these next few months are critical. Here's why. You're about many of you to move off either to the military or to college or, or maybe some new job and mom and dad aren't getting you up and, and, and ushering you to church every Sunday. And it's gonna come down to not you and your relationship with your parents. It's gonna come down to you and your personal relationship with God. And if you don't pay close attention to the things you've already learned, you will begin to drift away. And you're gonna see the danger of that as we continue to work our way through this message. Now, there's an application here for parents, first of all, and for your child who goes off to college, I've got three daughters, they all went to college, and they all went to church while they were in college. Now, I had a parent tell me one time recently, he said, Steve, I cannot get my son to go to church. He's 16, and I cannot get him to church. She said, ever since we got him a car, we cannot get him to church. I said, whoa, 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 back up a second. What did you say? She said, ever since we got him a car, we cannot get him to go to church. I said, so you got him a car. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. She said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, ma'am, I don't know about you, but my cars go to church on Sunday. You said, what are you talking about? Yeah, all of my cars, I, my daughter, I gave them their first car. And I said, here's the car, but remember this, we're in worship every week. My daughters went off to college. I said, you don't have 20 rules. You don't have 10 rules. You've got a couple of rules now. It's down to just two you know, keep up with good grades and you must be in worship on Sunday. Well, well, dad, what if I'm not in worship? Well, that's fine, but you're on your own. I'm not paying for anything because as long as I pay, I get a say. And my daughter stayed in college, excuse me, stayed in church through their college years. Even one who wrestled, the one who didn't want to be in church, she went out on her own, okay, and made her own decision. And that was just fine. But as long as I pay, I get a say. 
But let me tell you, yes, you, you do have a say over what your children do on Sundays. You have a say over whether they go to church. You say, I don't think you should make your child go to church. They may grow up to resent it. Well, I don't know about you, but I hated brushing my teeth when I was a teenager, but I still do it today. Just because you resent something doesn't mean you're not going to do it. We, you know, we need to help our children to know what is right. So we see here that we have a tendency to drift. To drift from what? To drift from God. And by the way, again, it's in all of us. I have to be very intentional about my relationship with God or I will begin to drift. Now, one other thing students too talking about before you leave, I'll tell you this. If you're in the eighth or ninth grade, listen very carefully. This is also true of you and your relationship with your parents. And here's why, because you want to be on your own and you know a lot. And I'll be honest, if you're 14, you know more than I knew when I was 14, honestly. I'm not saying your IQ is higher. I'm saying you've got access to more information. And yes, you do know more than I knew at 14. And you think you know what's best sometimes. I understand that. I, I, I've been there where you are. Let me just tell you this about you and your parents. Your parents, believe it or not, want the same thing you want. You say, what are you talking about? You want to make your own decisions. You want to choose how you dress. You want to choose what time you get in. You want to choose who you hang out with. I understand that. In other words, you want your independence. You want to be able to make decisions for yourself. That is what you want. Believe it or not, that is what your parents want too. But they've got to pour into you the disciplines that you need in order to make wise, informed decisions. You see, because I know what some of you are thinking right now. I can't wait till I'm gone. And you've got this vision in your mind. The day I leave, man, I'm going to pack my car and I'm gonna say goodbye, and I'm gonna pull out the driveway, and you can just see it right now, you're pulling out of the driveway, and you look in the rear view mirror, and poor old mama, she's back there crying because you're leaving. Poor old mama, she's crying. There's daddy though, daddy's there, got his arms around her, and they're, they're waving by, and they're weeping because you're leaving. Students, that is not what's happening. <laughs> that is not what's happening. When you pull out of the driveway, they're high-fiving and going to the Outback Steakhouse, that's what they're doing. They are happy for you because they are happy for them. They want the same thing you want. But they don't want you to lose, leave when you're 14. You're not ready. And let me tell you, some of you are not ready and don't take it personally. You might not be ready at 18. I had a daughter who recognized she just wasn't ready. She stayed with us for a couple more years and she, she just was not ready. And she acknowledged that she was very self-aware about that. And that's okay. Don't put an age on it. It's just when you feel like you're ready and you have the skills to care for yourself and to provide for yourself. Because I tell you, I don't pay for my adult daughter's cell phones. I don't make their car payments. There comes a point they are on their own. And I'm not doing them any favors if I just keep, listen to this, Dave Ramsey says this, it's so true. When you're a young adult, your parents are not a hammock. They're a safety net. And you should not, when you're 23 and 24 and 25, be relying on your parents. You should be self-reliant because you've grown and you've matured and you can care for yourself and you're pouring back into your parents and showing love for them. And I say that respectfully if you're in that boat right now. I'm not saying you change anything this afternoon, but I'm saying you begin to make the changes you make before you leave and you leave right. But going back to you who are younger, you have a tendency to drift in that relationship with your parents, but understand they want exactly what you want. So when you do leave, leave right. My daughters, I love them, boy. I just love my girls. They're grown now, but I just love being a parent. I love growing up. And man, we used to have good times together. And I'll tell you what, my daughters came home, each one of them, literally their life was in my hands. I mean, literally if my wife and I had not fed them, they would have died. 
Literally, if we had not changed them, they would have just been a mess. Literally, we changed, I calculated about 2,500 diapers per child. I mean, it's amazing. We had to help them go to the bathroom when they were little. And we had to help them to, to be safe and we couldn't let them play in the street, not because we were against play. We just knew it was dangerous, so we would not let them play in the street when they were little. And I want to tell you what, they had good friends, really good friends. But as good as their friends were, I don't know of any of their friends who would have laid down their lives for my daughters. But I tell you, to this day, I love those girls so much. Today, I would give my life as a sacrifice for them. And as much as I love my children, my girls, I want you to know that your parents love you. And I want you to just think about for a moment, how does it make me feel if my girls, whom I love with all my heart, treat me like the old man and say, I hate you. I hate you. Why would you say that to them? Why would you dare let those words come out of your mouth? You see, you do not wrestle, the scripture says in Ephesians 6, against flesh and blood. If you got problems, your parents are not your problem. You wrestle against flesh and blood because Satan knows if he can drive a wedge between you and your parents, he can begin to detour your relationship with God. And let me tell you, teenagers, some of you right now, he's got you in the palm of his hands and you're in such a mess with your parents right now and you're so mad at them and everything they do is wrong and everything you think is right and you're always time arguing, you don't give them your time and you come and you just slam doors and then you wonder, how come life's so miserable? Because you're making it that way. You've begun to drift. You used to love your daddy. Same daddy. You used to love your mom. It's tough for you. It's tough for them. They don't know how to do it all the time. So I want to tell you, sometimes I, with my kids, I, I made mistakes. Sometimes I was shooting in the dark, doing the best I could. And though I may not always make the best decisions, my daughters never doubted how much I love them. And I love them to this day. And so you got to be careful and understand this tendency to drift. It's true with your parents. It's true spiritually. When we studied young adults who left, we discovered the top reason they left the church. And there were about 10 reasons, but the top four came down to one issue. They left because of this word, H-U-R-T. What does it spell? They were hurt. They were hurt by either parents, something happened with them, or hurt by the pastor, hurt by the church. They were hurt. Now, students, let me give you an example of this very common theme is I don't go to church because it's filled with what? Hypocrites, filled with hypocrites. Now, they've been hurt because they see hypocrisy. They've been let down by a teacher or a leader. And they think, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. They're hurt. Or the church goes through a problem and they're, they're hurt the way Christians treat one another. So students, let me ask you a question. And I want you to answer this out loud, okay? I want you to suppose a moment that every member in this service is a hypocrite. It's not true, but pretend for a moment that every member in here, every person here is a hypocrite. Does that change whether or not Jesus was born? Does it change it, yes or no? No, he was either born or he wasn't. And by the way, he was. Even an atheist can tell you Jesus was born. The question not was he born, the question was who was he? He is a historical figure, okay? Well, let's suppose everybody in all three services, every single one of them is a hypocrite. Let's just pretend that's true. It's not, but so there are. Does that change whether or not Jesus is the son of God. Does it change that? No, he's either the son of God or he's not. Well, let's suppose everybody in South Carolina in church today, every one of them is a hypocrite. Does that change whether or not Jesus died on the cross? Does it change it, yes or no? No, he either died on the cross or he didn't. What's well, a historical fact, he did. 
Well, let's suppose every person in all the south, southeastern states are hypocrites. Does that change whether or not Jesus died for your sins? Does it change it? Yes or no? Answer. No. He either died for your sins or he didn't. Okay. It don't, if everybody's hypocrite, does it change whether he died for your sins or not? Let's suppose everybody in our country is a hypocrite. Does that change whether or not Jesus rose from the dead? Does it change it? Yes or no? He either rose from the dead or he didn't. I believe he did. I believe there's proof there that he did. I'll give you one more. Suppose everybody in church in the whole world this morning, every one of them is a hypocrite. Does that change whether or not Jesus can forgive you your sins and give you eternal life? Does it change that? Yes or no? It does not. He either can save you or he can't. Students, I don't go to church and worship based on what people do. I go to church and worship based on what Jesus did. Nothing changes. You can applaud for that. Don't let any hurt you experience in your home, at church, with a hypocrite, change that. No, everybody not hypocrites to start with. That's just a lame excuse. But Satan will put those thoughts in your mind because he wants you to drift and fall away in your relationship with God. So focus, pay closer attention to the things you have learned. And remember this, students. The church is not a country club for saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. And if by some point, somebody here today is a hypocrite, there's no better place they could be this morning than worshiping and hearing the word of God proclaimed. So there are people who come to church who are hypocrites. There are people who struggle. There are people who are wavering. There are people who are going through difficulty. There are people who are making bad decisions. Welcome to the club, so do I sometimes. You know why? Because I've got a tendency to drift. I'm not gonna let that stop me from serving God. I'm gonna serve God, not because of what other people do. I'm serving God because of what Jesus did. I've gotta pay close attention. That's number two here. You gotta understand the danger of drifting. You say, what are you talking about? Well, in this text, later he talks about how you've got to be careful. Uh, he used the illustration of being entrapped, okay? And having no way to escape. Now, here's the best way I can illustrate this. Students, I was taking a group of students rafting on a place called the Okoye River, you may have heard of, uh, in Ducktown, Tennessee. Uh, Olympics was held there for whitewater. Six miles of rafting. It's about five miles of whitewater with some very serious rapids. You've got to wear a helmet. You've got to wear a life jacket. You cannot get on this river legally without a professional guide in the raft with you. And I take students to go rafting on this river. Before they ever let us get in the water, they put us on dry land and we all get in the raft and the professional guide shows us how to sit in the raft and how to anchor our foot up under the cushion in front of us. The person sitting on the cushion anchors us in and how to, to paddle together and work together and said, if you do fall, fall in. If you do fall out, put your feet downstream and act like you're pedaling a bicycle because if you do hit rocks, you want your feet hitting rocks and not your head. And so they're giving us this instruction. And so we go rafting and have a great time, but we get down to the last set of rapids and we'd had this little contest for fun of it called the biggest sinner. And we said the first person that gets thrown out of the raft is the biggest sinner in the group. Nobody had been thrown out. So I thought I would give the students a laugh at my expense. We got to the very last set of rapids where there was a waterfall, probably not much higher than this stage, which is not a big deal. The water's calm on the other side of the waterfall, very rough upstream. But as we went over the waterfall, we went over it sideways in the raft, which made the raft almost vertical. And my back was to the water. So I decided, hey, calm water. Let's let the students laugh. Nobody's falling out. I'll take the hit as big as center. And I let myself fall out of the raft 
for a laugh. And the water was cool and refreshing and the students were laughing and having a good time. And so the, the raft is floating downstream and the takeout point, you can see it down there. And the raft's getting further and further away. And then the, the guy, the professional guy stood up in the raft. That's weird. You don't stand in a raft. It's like standing on a waterbed. You don't have it. He's standing on the raft and he's screaming at me. But there's a waterfall behind me and the waterfall's making so much noise. I can't hear what he's saying. And he's going, so what? I can't hear him because of the noise behind me. And what I didn't realize, that waterfall is going down and the pressure of the water is pulling the water upstream. I'm not floating downstream. I'm very slowly, subtly floating upstream back towards the waterfall and I don't even know it. The raft guide knew it and he was trying to warn me. And before I could close my eyes or inhale a breath to get ready, that waterfall sucked me under with my eyes wide open. All I could see were bubbles and fish going. <laughs> and I, literally my eyes were wide open. It happened that fast. And I began to struggle. And I thought for the first time in my life, I was going to die. Of course, I didn't hear him, but it, it, it went for a long time. And I was being tumbled and thrown and all kinds of things went through my mind. And I don't have time to talk about all that. But the bottom line is I did recirculate as I was losing breath. And here's what happened. I almost died. And here's why I died. Here's why I almost died. The professional, the one who knew best, stood in the raft and gave me a warning. And today I know what the warning was. As he was standing in the raft, he was saying, swim, stupid, swim. Because he knew, I'm just sitting there, just. But he knew all I had to do is go, what, swim, okay. Three strokes and I'm out of danger. And he tried to warn me. But I didn't listen and it almost cost me my life. Now, how does that apply to what we're talking about? He says, you pay close attention unless you begin to drift. Here's what happens. You're in the sixth or the seventh grade and you hear the gospel, how God loves you and you hear it and you believe it and you say, you know, one day I'm going to trust Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I'm gonna do that. And Jesus tells you, I love you. Trust me today. You don't have to wait. You say, well, Jesus, I'll trust you someday, but let me just figure this thing out. I just don't understand everything yet. But Jesus continues to speak. Well, I want you to come to know Christ now. I can really work in your life. I'll give you abundant, joyful life. You say, well, well, maybe, maybe so, but I'm having a good time. I mean, having joy. I've got a lot of time in front of me, so just give me some time. Don't rush me. Don't press me into this. But God continues to speak, but, but you need Christ right now. I feel trusted now. I mean, I can do things now and, and really prepare you to make wise decisions, go forth. And you think, well, maybe so, but listen, I'm getting tired of this church stuff. I, I like to have other fun and I got other things going on and maybe one day, but God continues to speak and says, but you know, if you'll trust Christ, I'll, I'll really not only help your life now, but one day you'll be married with kids, all that stuff. Well, that's true, God. And when I get married, when I get married, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you as Savior. So you get married and, and, well, if you'll just trust me as Savior, I'll really give you all the marriage you can have. It'll be the best marriage you've ever had. I'll really pour into your marriage. And you think, well, you know what? But we're young, we need to buy a house. I'm getting started in my career. And we have kids, our kids gonna be in church. So Lord, you know, someday, and now you're over here. And God, God still speaks and God says, God is still speaking, but the problem is you can no longer hear him. The danger, students and moms and dads, is not you're gonna die going home today, not that it couldn't happen. The danger is you'll walk away from here and live 40 or 50 more years. And never again sense that urgency of the Holy Spirit to trust Jesus today. You see, if you walk away today, it's like you're just drifting and you're drifting and you're drifting, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I'm inviting you students today to trust Christ as your savior.
Even as a believer, it could be the same thing. You know, God's speaking and we're growing, but we, we're not going to church like we used to. We're not engaged in Bible study and God's speaking, but it's not as clear as it used to be. And then time goes by, maybe we're not in church and the pandemic came and watching online. Now we're not watching it all, all of a sudden. And God is speaking. And the, the thing is, every one of you are gonna have to make important decisions. We all do throughout the year. And when I make a decision and I say, Father, what should I do? I want him to be able to just whisper in my ear, Steve, head to the right and you'll be fine. Steve, head to the left and it's gonna be fine. But when I get over here and I begin to drift, the danger is not that God does not speak, that I no longer hear him. Because listen, students, and it's true right now, while I'm preaching this message, trust me, there's a few people sitting here right now who have not heard a word. They're like on another plane in another planet. God's word is, means nothing to them and they're just trying to get this over with. And you can even be in a worship service where God's word is being preached, but because people have begun to drift, man, they are in danger. But I gotta show you one more thing here to wrap this up. It says you've got to understand your tendency to drift. You've got to understand the danger of drifting, then recognize how to avoid drifting because it's right here in the text. He says, we've therefore, because of who Jesus is, pay more attention, pay closer attention than ever before to the things we have learned, learned from where? Learn from God, learn from his word. You see, because math can help you with a lot of things and history is good and grammar skills and people skills and all those things and, and good books. But let me tell you this, this right here makes me a better father. When I read this, it makes me a better husband. When I read this, it helps me to manage my resources. It helps me financially. I can talk about every element of my life, this book, as I engage it day in and day out. And that is my aim, to engage it day in and day out. It affects my life. You see, because you're influenced by the people around you, but you're also influenced by this. If you take time to let God speak to you through it each and every day. Was the granddad, and he was telling his grandchildren about his military exploits. He said, I was a paratrooper back in the day. And grandson said, Granddaddy, when you were a paratrooper, how many times did you jump? He said, What are you talking about? He said, Granddaddy, you're a paratrooper. How many times did you jump out of an airplane and parachute? He said, Oh, I never jumped. Well, son, Granddaddy, how come you say you're a paratrooper if you never jumped? He said, I never jumped. I was just pushed over 40 times. <laughs> now, one reason worship is important is we tend to drift. And when you come back, you realize, you know what? I haven't opened God's word since last Sunday. And it's not being a preacher, it's just being a believer that tomorrow, God doesn't have a stopwatch, just take this and open it. And I will tell you, sometimes when you look at it, it's not always profound. Sometimes you don't understand that text. But when you do it day in and day out, week in and week out, listen to me, it is not a rule I'm not saying you committed some sin if you didn't read the Bible yesterday. It's not a rule, it's a tool. It's a tool that strengthens you and makes you wiser and helps you to navigate the challenges that you're inevitably going to face. So a couple of keys here to wrap this up. Students, recognize, acknowledge where you are right now in this current and it's pushing stronger against you than it is against me. It's pushing stronger against you than against, your, than against your pastor or even your parents. Know where you are. That's why right now, not when you're 30, right now, you need to pay closer attention to spiritual things to the word of God than you ever have before or you will begin to drift. There was a book written called The Shape of Faith to Come by Brad Wagner and they studied the lives of believers and they found if a believer was doing this one thing, almost without exception, they were progressing in their spiritual walk with God. It was this daily 
Bible reading. Makes an impact. The word of God makes a huge impact. And then I would close with this. Check your relationships. You see, in that raft that day, I chose the students that I got in the raft with and you choose how you, who you have relationships with. I'm thankful that God was there. I just wish I had paid attention. If I wanna get in shape, I hang around people who exercise. If I wanna do good with my money, I hang around people who handle money well. If you wanna do good in your relationship with God, hang around people, students and adults, who have a strong relationship with God. Satan's design is to get you focused on your disappointment, students. God's desire is to get you focused on your divine appointment. Satan's design is to influence you to walk away. He's working on it right now. God's desire is that you will walk with Christ. Satan's design is to use every negative circumstance to draw you away. God's desire is that every circumstance, good or bad, will draw you closer. Satan is confident that he can lead you to stray. He's working on it. The sacrifice and the love of Christ should compel you to always stay. Let me invite our musicians to come on right now because God did not bring you up, students, in the family you have, in the community you're in, in this church, randomly. God placed you by divine design with your family, this community, this church. He's been teaching you to walk with him and I'll tell you, you're gonna experience a lot of joy, but here's students, something people forget to tell you sometimes. Look at me, students. If God gives you years, you will get hurt. Jesus said it. In this world, he said, believers, you will have what? Trouble, tribulation. He says it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on everybody. You will get disappointed. You will have hurts. You may be hurt right now. It's, if you haven't been, it will happen. Listen, Jesus is the only way, but he's not always the easy way. God didn't bring you up in this community, in this church randomly. He's been teaching you to walk with him. You will experience a lot of joy and yes, you will experience a lot of pain, but God will be faithful. I urge you to trust in him today. I'm calling on you to renewed commitment to follow him, to serve him, to be faithful, committed, and not to drift. And when you leave in two months or in 12 years, leave right. Leave your parents right in a right relationship with them but most importantly, in a right relationship with God. Bow your head and close your eyes. Some of you, you've never surrendered your heart to Christ. Don't drift any further. If you know that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, that He rose again, today respond to that by surrendering your heart to Him. You say, I'll do it later. You don't know if later will come. I'm not saying you'll be gone. I'm just saying you may not sense the urging of the Holy Spirit as you do this morning. So pastors are gonna stand here. If you need to surrender your heart to Christ this morning, we're gonna invite you to come and do that today. You might even run out and pray, Jesus, Lord, I, I know you love me. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And Lord, help me never be ashamed of you. Students, this is awkward. Some of you may need to go and wrap your arms around your mom or your dad. Say, Daddy, I love you. Thank you for raising me in church. Some of it may be awkward. You might want to write them a note this afternoon or just whisper something. Maybe you hadn't told them in a long time. When's the last time you told mama, mama, I love you? When's the last time you said, daddy, I love you? Say, that's awkward. Well, write it. Say, daddy, I just want to know I love you. Thanks for all you do for me. 
Parents, how about you? Have you been in your own way, pulling apart from your own child because you're frustrated, you're disappointed when you need to be loving them like you never have before? So if you wanna come to a pastor to pray or come down here, but most importantly, if you've trusted Christ, let's today acknowledge that and celebrate it together. Stand while I pray. Father, as we stand together, as we engage in this time of invitation, God, we ask that we would be responsive to what you've said to us today. And God, we'd be obedient to what you've said, especially for those who have trusted Christ this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.